Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Athena will give you a great home loan and help you get rid of it. Master Builders Victoria, supporting Victorian builders for over 147 years. Not a member yet? Call today. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening around the planet. Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria, supporting businesses in residential, commercial and civil construction. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. Keeping in touch with this riveting final day of the test between New Zealand and England. England at the moment looking like they're headed towards victory. It's been a phenomenal performance by Stokes and Root. Uh, as just been speaking with Gerard Waitley, Stokes has played that patient sheet anchor role he's been uh, very cautious whereas Joe Root's been smacking them to all corners so it's been a little contrasting in terms of the baseball idea but uh, Root's playing baseball he's, he's got 89 from 88 and Stokes now 32 just smacked one to the boundary on 103 they need 63 to win by the way England 5 for 195 we'll keep you in touch with that good crowd in in good conditions one three hundred seven three six seven three six. It's midday madness time, so you call, you get on midday madness. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Your calls across the next few hours. That open line is one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Thanks to Werribee Kia, awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia. Where else? Just ask the question of Jared Ashley, and you can jump on the line if you want to talk about this. Uh, the third. Test between England, India and Australia starts tomorrow. So India, Australia tomorrow. You'll hear it on the radio station you're listening to now. Um, have, have we gone full circle on this situation where we kind of lost love with the Australian cricket team, we're back in love with the Australian cricket team, and have we lost a bit of love as well? Now, here we are. We can't win the series. We're now resigned to playing two dead rubbers. We've been embarrassed by two three-day test losses. My question is, all this great work, all this great joy and love and goodwill that Australia built up over the summer, demolishing the West Indies and South Africa, has it been erased in the space of two three-day test capitulations at the hands of India? It feels like we have come full circle. We doubted uh, how much we love this team. Uh, guys like Dave Warner, uh, some turned on Pat Cummins when Justin Langer departed controversially. But the Australian summer was fantastic. And now we've shown no fight. Our leadership's been questioned. Cummins and the selectors dropped the guy who should have won man of the series against South Africa, uh, but Warner won it, Travis Head. And after losing the, the tests um, we've, in this busy schedule that we've had, we had a situation where we couldn't play any lead-in matches, any tour games in the lead-in because we were too busy. We had BBL to play and we had border medal nights to go to. Now we finally after two horrible losses, had an opportunity where there was a gap in the calendar where there was time and space to play a tour match when we arguably needed it most after two horrible losses. And instead of scheduling a tour match, the players got to go away on a holiday because they needed a break from cricket. So we'll front up for a dead rubber third test, off a holiday, no tour match form, 
And to make matters worse for some, Steve Smith's going to be captain again. So where are you at with all of that? one 736 736 A bit of cricket and a bit of footy. James on the ride wants to talk about the India lead-in to this third test or maybe the India lead-in to the first test as we take your course. Keep your text coming through as well on the 40 Winks Temper text 0433 98 11 16. 40 Winks and Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R. Consumer's Choice winner, Temper Mattresses, Pillows and Adjustable Bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Welcome to you, James. Great to have you on. Uh, g'day, Dwayne. Thanks, mate. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, the lack of practice matches in India. Um, there's a lot of conjecture about why we didn't have them. And uh, McDonald said, Ronald McDonald said, um, because the players would be tired and weary, so he wanted to keep them fresh for the for the third and fourth test, which is uh, a moot point now. But uh, I think if we go right back to the source of it, um, remember the Watergate scandal, the, uh, the reporter who exposed it all said, follow the money. So at the end of the day, Cricket Australia, their main concern is to keep money in the game. And all of that money comes from the TV rights. And the TV rights are concerned about the BBL. That's the cash cow for Australian cricket uh, and has been for some time. So everything is uh, slaughtered on the altar of BBL. So Cricket Australia and the TV rights um, and possibly uh, radio as well, the broadcasting rights, they want to get big names into the BBL and so they have the big names in the BBL rather than the practice matches. And Cricket Australia makes more money out of the BBL than they ever would from a win in India. So that explains, I reckon, why we've got no practice matches in uh, in India. Sim- simple yeah. as the, just following the money. What do you think? Yeah. James, I agree with you about the BBL and how important it is in our psyche, in our summer, and wanting to get our big players to play it. I agree with all that. It stopped us from having a lead-in tour match. Now, we could have squeezed one in, but we were told that we weren't going to get a decent enough pitch that was going to be relevant to the pitch we were going to play on in the first test. That doesn't give an excuse as to why we're not, we haven't been playing a tour match in the last five days. I mean, the players had an opportunity to have a hole in the schedule and play a tour match. It's the tour match in the last five days that I find bizarre that we haven't played. I mean, one opportunity we got to get one in there and we decided that we needed a break from cricket. So, yeah, that, that is bizarre to me, but that's obviously the new age we live in. I appreciate your call, James. And for kicking us off today, you've got a Signet Boost Power Bank valid at forty-four ninety-five. A Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered twenty-four-seven. Here's Adam Gilchrist from Jared Waitley's program about an hour ago, talking about in hindsight, Australia need to work out its priorities. That, that's the, the delicate balance for for Australian cricket, and I guess that starts uh, in conversations between the guys that have just lived it and are living it out, the players and the management. Uh, and Creed Australia and the and the and the commercial side of the the organisation of what is our priority and I, 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 again outside looking in in hindsight it, it it probably doesn't show that there was enough focus on trying to get this this particular tour um, at the top of the priority list but I'm, I, having said that Jed I'm not sure a ten day camp is going to suddenly mean that you, you can now play spin bowling in India yep. in yep. those conditions against those bowlers. Uh, Matthew Hayden was extremely successful, but he had repeated visits to India. Um, 
some of it on his own um, on his own time, just saying, I want to go to Madras or Chennai and, and learn to see what it's like and, and, and try and find out more about it. So uh, it's, a, it's a really challenging balancing act. And I was singing the praises of Creed Australia for allowing these guys to play the Big Bash, and we all dined down on it and loved it. And it, and it saw the Big, Bat, Big Bash roar back to life uh, with a, a wonderful finale and, and a great tournament. But um, it, it's very easy to sit here and say they should have gone early or whatever. It's, it's just such a challenge. But maybe there's a, a big picture discussion about what are the priorities for the next five years and or four years' time until Australia are back in India again. I'm not sure if it's sooner than that, but they get that chance. And who knows what Test Creed looks like in four years. Adam Gilchrist on Gerard Whaley's program about an hour ago. Brock, good morning to you. Brock, you've got a thought on this? We'll come to you in a sec, Brock. A couple of texts that have come through. I think you'll find that not all the players have been on holidays. Yeah, I agree with that. Not all the players have, but there wasn't enough for a decent tour match to be played, and they could have scheduled a tour match and let some have a couple of days off as a break and had a tour match as well. Uh, it's the tour match issue for me. I know they all haven't been on holidays. Some have been practicing their craft and I take my hat off to those even though some probably thought they needed a little bit of R&R which was better than being in the nets. Brock in Mornington you there Brock? Are you there Brock? You're on the air Brock welcome to the program. Hey mate yeah I think um, the Australian cricket team as a whole is just a bit too happy with themselves like if you think back the last four to five years They've lost two home series to India. Uh, we drew an Ashes series away that really we should have won. We threw away two of those games. Um, and then we we got over South Africa and West Indies, which probably bought their worst teams in the last 20 to 30 years, um, test-wise, across. So we haven't really beaten anyone. Um, and then on the eve of this, India, which is probably the biggest test we've had in five years, you've got Warner and Kawaja saying they're, they're worn out and they're mentally exhausted five days before the first test. Like, if they can't get up, and they've both been pretty pretty average, if they can't get up for such a big series and they're already tired and worn out before they actually get to playing the first test, I don't think they should be picked and we should be picking guys that uh, really want to play and have uh, like a real determination to be the best because it seems like we're just pretty happy beating up on the, the very average teams getting around at the moment and not actually being the best in the world. Yeah, everyone's got their individual priority as to what they want to do. So there's matches and commitments like the border medal night that the Australian Cricket Board would want the players to commit to. At the Big Bash, they would want the players to commit to if they're prepared to commit to it. They would take them with open arms and maybe allow the schedule to allow them to play, but there's also things that the players want to do. They want to have the IPL as part of their schedule because it's such a lucrative part of their year. So they're not going to compromise their year and not play IPL. So we've got a situation where players are squeezed up. They've got so many things, so many commitments, and here we are. It squeezed them up so much that we couldn't have a tour match. Uh, They are fatigued. And they've gone to India looking like they were a little fatigued. Um, we did jump at a shadow with the dropping of Travis Head. And we did have this window where we could have played a tour match. Appreciate your call. Straight out to your calls and your texts for midday, Maddis. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number if you'd like to jump on. Got a heap of stuff to give away 
Bottles of Starwood Twofold Double Grain Australian Whiskey. Thanks to Hairy Dog Summer of Aussie Spirits, hairydog.com.au. And some Brick Lane Brewing Vouchers as well. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, perfect for all occasions and the ultimate crowd pleaser, but drink responsibly. Keep you in touch with this England run chase. 59 more runs to win for England. Uh, Stokes and Root still at the crease and look pretty damn solid right now. A couple of texts that have come through. Keep your texts coming through on that 40 Winks temper text, 0433-981116. Uh, Bazball and Anchorman sounds like a movie title. It certainly does, uh, but that's been the way they've played it. Stokes, 33 from 114 deliveries. Root, 92 from 104. And they've just eased off a little bit. So they're being a little more cautious. I said to Jared, is this the end of Bazball? Because they do. There has been times when they have to be. they have had to be patient and a little more cautious and occupy the crease. Roots just slowed down a little. The closer that target is getting, maybe he'll get a little more cautious now because the last thing England need is to lose a wicket right now. Uh, the selectors, Australian selectors, must be held accountable. So many texts coming through on the Australian cricket team. When did we ever fall back in love with the Aussie test team? Question mark. Uh, what a load of rubbish. A test match representing Australia is never a dead rubber. And anyway, they can still draw the series. Yeah, I'll get that. And you're 100% cor- correct. There is never a dead rubber when it comes to representing your country. They can still draw the series and head to that World Test Championship and try and clinch that as well. Um, why take injured players to India? An insult to fit players in form left in Australia. Uh, pre-test ga- uh, games would never be an excuse for the way Australian players tried to play. Uh, thanks for your text as well. Uh, does anyone really care? about the men's cricket team. They are not popular with the public. I think we care a lot. I think we care a heap. I care. And sometimes you do throw your arms up in the air and say, should you care so much? But yeah, as a sports fan, you just tend to care. Freddie in Elwood wants to talk about the cricket as well. Freddie will come to you. There's another text here from Kane um, that I do want. Can we settle a decade-long debate between my mates and me? Who do you pick at the peak of their powers? Robert Harvey or Nathan Buckley? Uh, Kane, thanks for that text. Um, can I, I might leave that to the text if you've got a thought on that. Uh, Robert Harves played, well, just off the top of my head, a lot more games than Bucks. Um, one Brownlow compared to two. Uh, Harves might even have him for all Australians. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Let me give that some think time, and I might need to check the stats. But I think Harves played more games than Bucks and maybe some more All-Australians. Freddie on the cricket, though, in the meantime. Welcome to you, Freddie. Yeah, g'day, Top. Loving the, uh, the cricket talk this morning. Um, got a bit of a different angle, actually. Sort of, as a fan and a tragic, been a bit disenfranchised with Cricket Australia since the Sandpaper Gate. And I, I feel that a lot of people probably are. And I think that the, the lack of love or sort of the, um, the negative thoughts towards the team themselves is a bit of the back off Cricket Australia over time. And sort of disenfranchise a lot. We feel like we're not getting the truth and never got the truth behind the whole sandpaper gate, particularly from a David Warner perspective. He never actually admitted what he did or the reasons behind it. Well, the book's coming um, out, so we might we might read some more in that. Yep. Go on, Freddie. I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. sorry. Keep, going, keep going. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and... Um, even within the Tim Payne thing before the Ashes and his sort of um, sexting scandal. But even in that is sort of the question of should he have ever even been selected in the first place? He was never in the test team of his own ability. Um, 
and put in as a captain and, and did well at that period of time. But just thinking Alex Carey probably should have been in there from the start. Um, and then that sort of got, you know, forgotten about because he did so well in the Ashes and all those things. But, um, yeah, and, and Cricket Australia did know about his um, his new pictures that he'd sent before they appointed him as captain as well. So it's sort of like they're not changing things for the right reason. They're sort of more doing it for the public image. So. Yeah, I can I can understand all that, Freddie. It does play on your mind, all of those things. So you try and calculate where you are with it all. How disillusioned are you with it all? We did have a perfect opportunity. We came off a fantastic summer. There was so much love back, I thought. And here we are. The, the two, three-day demolition jobs has caused a lot of that to subside. I asked Jared Waitley the question earlier on, and he said it's all subsided now. And it's up to them to win it back. And that's probably where we're at, where we're at right now. I uh, really appreciate your call, Freddie. Hold the line. You've got a Brick Lane Brewing voucher coming your way. Brick Lane, one love pale ale, perfect for all occasions. And the ultimate crowd, please, uh, drink responsibly. Uh, need to take a break for some news. Uh, a couple of texts that have come through. Don't support the Aussie cricket team since Cummins decides who the sponsors are. Well, he doesn't decide who the sponsors are, but there were a few that were a little disappointed with Pat Cummins weighing into that debate, I suppose. Uh, as an older person who's followed cricket, I was brought up on Test cricket. I appreciate that the money is in T20, but I cannot tell you who has won any domestic or international T20 tournament. I fear that the balance of cricket may have swung too far towards T20. That's all fine, but the public should now realise test results may be more problematic in the future. Uh, a couple of tests coming through on Harvey versus Bucks. Uh, at their absolute peak, Nathan Buckley. And another one here, Harvey Easily. Um, if you've got a thought on that, then jump on the line. Okay, I've got the numbers here. Harves did play more games than Bucks, did get an extra All-Australian. So Robert Harvey, 383 games, two Brownlows, eight All-Australians, and four best and fairests. Uh, Nathan Buckley, 280 games, a Brownlow, a Norm Smith. So that equates a Brownlow and a Norm Smith versus two Brownlows seven All-Australians, and six BNFs. So he won more BNFs than halves. Um, let me have a look at Craig Bradley's numbers, just to throw him into that equation. Um, Craig Bradley, 375 games, two premierships. So he's got something that Nathan Buckley and Robert Harvey didn't get. He's got a couple of flags, four-time All-Australian, three-time BNF. So it's an interesting little mix. Uh, Troy and Collie, before we take a break, you there, Troy? What do you got for us, Troy? Welcome to you. Um, the class action against the AFL about concussion, Dwayne. Um, I think you might know my take on it from past conversations and that I don't think the AFL have done enough about it. And what needs to happen this season is they need the judiciary of the AFL. Now, I know you say that the appeals board's independent, but they can instruct that they um, suspend players rather than fining them because they prefer they don't like missing out. And the other thing is maybe the AFL might do something now that um, money's involved, Wayne. So, yeah. Well, I think they've already done something. They put a 12-day break between playing and getting concussed and being able to play again. They're still trying to work through the evidence that's there and that's the hard part. We spoke to Dr. Peter Larkins on this program a few weeks ago after he returned from the conference in Amsterdam. And there's still a lot of experts that are just divided as to how long you should ask a sports person to be out 
after they've been concussed. The AFL is a lot more cautious now. I mean, we've evolved a long way from the era where you got sent straight back on. So that's where a lot of the issues are, are stemming from, you know, in terms of the action. A lot of players in the old days got sent straight back on. So, you know, a lot has changed. The AFL has done a lot to clean it up, and the AFL is listening to the experts, and we've now got a 12-day protocol, and some guys feel fine to play, but they're not allowed to play because of the 12-day protocol. A wicket's fallen, so six for 201. Stokes is out for 33. Skyed one, got caught. So uh, Root is 94, not out. Off 109 deliveries, he's going to have to be the guy. They still need 57 runs to win England. Six for 201. Six for 201 at the moment, England. And folks, at the crease is yet to get off the mark. And Root, 94, not out off 109. There's a review. Root's on strike. So they lose Root. If it's back-to-back losses at the crease, that is going to be huge. There's a lot of people around the bat. There's a review for a slight touch either off the glove or the splice of the bat for a court behind. It's folks, actually. It's not Root on strike. So they're just checking this out as to see whether he's tickled it to the keeper, so we'll keep you in touch with that. Uh, look, so many texts coming through about uh, Robert Harvey and Craig Bradley, but one here from Laura. What about Michael Voss? So let me give you Michael Voss's numbers. Uh, Voss, 198 games compared to Bucks, 280, and Haas, 383. Uh, Voss, three-time premiership, so uh, no premierships to Haas, no premierships to Bucks. Uh, Voss, a Brownlow, so... Yeah, he's got the Brownlow of Bucks matched, but Harves won two of them. Five-time All-Australian, only a two-time BNF, which is a bit of a surprise to me, but it goes to show how damn good that Brisbane Lions team is. So, yeah, I think you're right, Laura. Should have put... No, there was a texter that started this argument, so put Vossi into that argument as well with um, Bucks, Harves and Bradley. Uh, and I'm sure it won't take long before a Geelong supporter jumps on the line and throws Gary Hockey into it, because that was always a debate back in the day as well. Who better at their prime, um, Gary Hocking or Robert Harvey? So 57 to win for England, 6 for 201, and Route 94 not out, and I think they're going to be okay here. No touch behind. So folks remains at the crease. Uh, the last man out, Stokes for 33 off 116 deliveries. Uh, the, one of the other things that has been a bit of a talking point in the world of AFL has been this continued talk about three big key forwards being used in 2023. It's been an interesting discussion. Chris Scott said this yesterday about the thing that he's taken from preseason so far is that he has seen teams use more height in their forward line. Here's Chris Scott from yesterday. I think generally across the competition, most teams are thinking that um, fast footy um, is something that you need to have um, in your repertoire. Um, I think it looks to be a few teams sort of experimenting with, um, you know, some more height in their in their forward half. Um, but again, uh, the the footy that works in in late February March is, is often a different style to what works when the ground's get a bit heavier and um, you know the colder weather comes in in July. So Chris Scott yesterday coaches Geelong fast, get it in quick to your tools, but more height. Zach Merritt said this two weeks ago about having two and a half big guys in your forward line is going to be the key in 2023. Here's Zach Merritt, the Bombers captain. Yeah, I hope so. I think um, I think you look at the best teams at the moment, you sort of need two, if not two and a half of those big guys. Um, you know, they're obviously, they're probably the hardest role in putting at the moment is as the key forward 
with teams ability to get numbers behind the ball. So, um, yeah, ideally we'd love to have both of them up fit and firing. And um, I think they're both, although big guys, they play in a very different way. Um, you know, Stan's a great lead-up player and, and Pete's probably a better one-on-one mark. So they had a different dynamic, which would be uh, great for us coming inside 50. So that was Zach Merritt about a week ago when he was named captain. And then we saw on the weekend, apparently, the reports from Ballarat were that the dogs were trialling four tall forwards. Here's Nathan Buckley's thoughts on whether a 4-2 mix would work because, let's face it, we've had we've had a 2-4 split quite often in AFL. Two key forwards and four smaller guys. We've been talking about the 3-3 split for a little while with Carlton having Kurnow, Mackay, De Koning. Could a team actually go with a 4-2 split? Four tools and two smalls. Here's Bucks on that. So the coach in me wants to know how, how often they were 4-2, four, 4 being the tools. Um, if they rotated through there, they're 3-3, three, three, and then that's doable. Hugo Hagen moves around pretty well. Lob moves around pretty well. I mean, Darcy's a, a big unit. But, yeah, they're going to um, they're going to worry a few in the air if they, if they run with that type of forward line. But I wouldn't be expecting um, them to be able to lock the ball in the front half too much. It's That'd be probably a bit it? of bounce, yeah. Nathan Buckley on the dog. So who's got the best tall three then, if that's the evolution we're going to see this year? Carlton have Kerno, Mackay and De Koning. So they're stacked. They can ruck Pitonet. They can ruck Murkov if they want. And I think they do want to ruck Pitonet. So Kerno, Mackay, De Koning. I think Geelong were hoping to play Jeremy Cameron, Tom Hawkins and Jack Henry in their forward line. So the three tall forwards there, but they're not going to have Jack Henry for round one. They're not going to have Tom Hawkins for round one. So... That wrecks their plan. Brisbane are definitely going to do it. So Hipwood, Danaher, and they've now got Gunston. If you can count him as a tall forward, even though he's more of a lead-up guy. So Hipwood, Danaher, they did have McStay, so they've been doing it for a while with Hipwood, Danaher and McStay. Now they're going to do it with Gunston. So it's always been part of Brisbane's plan under Chris Fagan. But the Dogs, they could be the next big team to do it. The, the, the Demons don't have a tall three. Richmond has Lynch, Rewalt. And they kind of experimented over time with, they tried Marbia Joel, they tried Callum Coleman-Jones, they've tried Noah Bolter, and they tried Samson Ryan on the weekend just gone. And it looked pretty good. He got a lot of the ball. So could they, when Lynch comes back, go with Samson Ryan, Lynch, and Rewalt? Collingwood certainly don't have three to go to. Port Adelaide have Dixon, Marshall, and Georgiades. And they've tried that, and it hasn't worked for them previously. Anyway, your thoughts on all of that? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Who would be able to do it best if that's the evolution we're going to see in 2023? Joe Roots has lobbed that in the air. It's taken at mid-wickets. This is Neil Wagner's day. He is back on the scene with a bang. Wagner's got three, three for 25. So England now in trouble again, seven for 203. They need 55 runs to win. Folks and Broad are now at the crease. So the last man out, Joe Root, who... Yeah, he, at one stage he had he was going to run a ball. He was 80, 88 from eighty seven. So at stages he's been better than a run a ball. But they bogged him down a little. He was maybe getting a bit too cautious, as we discussed. He ended up being out for ninety five of one hundred and thirteen. So trouble again for England. But back to your calls. Which Manhattan forward line of four tools will work best? If that's the evolution we're going to go to. If it's three, three and a half. Well, teams have been doing three for a while occasionally, but can you win a flag with three and a half or a four-tall forward line, a four-two split, that, or if you like, uh, as they're calling it, the Manhattan forward line? Richard and Cowes, your thoughts? Welcome to you. 
Uh, good afternoon, Dwayne. Look, uh, from Richmond's point of view, you've got Rewalt, Lynch, Miller. You've got a bloke named Ryan, you just mentioned. There's a bloke named Bauer and a bloke named Bradkey who's just been brought in. But what about Martin as well? Yeah, I'm not counting Martin as a tall forward. I'm, I'm talking, uh, he's more a hybrid to me. I know by, uh, if you measure everybody against Big Nick, John Nichols, who was about 6'2", or 6'3", um, these guys that are 6'3 now playing forward are talls. But it's not that they don't count as a tall for me. Peter's got a text here, McDonald, Brown and Gorn. Um, and I appreciate that text as well. Um, uh, I really like Wright, Harrison Jones and Sam Wiedemann at the Dogs. Uh, not massive names, but I reckon there's plenty of goals in that mix. And from a Richmond point of view, Cumberland and Ben Miller will play that third forward role at Richmond, according to one texter. So I'm more counting Samson Ryan and Ben Miller as tools in comparison to Dustin Martin, Richard. But I appreciate your call. You think Richmond are fairly well stacked if you go that way? Um, well, I still think myself that you're going to have an even mix. I mean, they might try it out and see how it goes. But if, you, if the ball comes to the ground, you might be too slow. Absolutely, which is the point that Nathan Buckley made, which is why it's never happened before, because they are, they are a lot slower. The tools don't run and chase and put pressure on the ball coming out as quick. Mind you, though, if you've got a good midfield that's getting in there quick to your one-on-ones as opposed to taking an eternity to get it in, then maybe by getting it in there quick um, and precisely, it ain't going to come out as much as it might if you just blazed along into a congested forward line. Great to have you call, though, Richard. Always good to chat to you. Dean and Elwood, your thoughts on this? Welcome to you, Dean. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Uh, big Carlton fan. Uh, mate, it'll be two and a half, three for us, like McKay, Kerno, Silvani, but also De Koning going down there. And I think they wanted... Martin, was, if you can ever get on the park, was really good against Richmond as like a third or fourth tall. We just need a small, but I think Jesse Motlop's going to have a big year feeding off all that. Well, I hope so anyway, Dwayne. Yeah, he's looked good in the preseason so far, especially the internal trial that we saw the highlights of. Looking forward to watching Carlton this weekend as well. Um, yeah, I'm not counting. Silvani can count, if you like, because he is taller. I'm not sure whether they're going to play him. Who's going to ruck for you then, Dean? Is it going to be Pinnett and De Koning? Is it going to be Pinnett and Silvani? Uh, by the way, just chipped over the keeper by Broad, so he's got it to the boundary, uh, down to 49 to win, 7 for 209. Who's going to be your ruck combo, Dean? Oh, look, it has to be Pitnett and De Koning. Pitnett is, is probably the one. I mean, he had some stats last year that's a bit of... Like, he's the best hitter to advantage or something player going around. But he, look, we've got a lot of players, Dwayne, I'll be honest with you, like have never played full season. So the durability of the whole squad is a question mark. But if they can all get out for extended times and you get Walsh back, then I think we can have a good year. Oh, look, the last 20 years, I don't think we've ever had as much talent. But it's just going to be a question of who gets out on the park. Yeah, I agree with you, Dean, and that's going to be a key for everyone. Um, no pun intended, given that we're talking key forwards. Uh, Sydney Franklin, McDonald, Reed, Heaney. Uh, but is Franklin, how much footy is Franklin going to play? But I get that. Dwayne, I think Kennedy, Darling and Oscar Allen work fairly well for the West Coast too. Yeah, well, Kennedy, obviously not there. Oscar Allen is going to be massive. We just haven't seen enough of him in the last 12 months to know how well he's going to come back. But he looked pretty good last week, it must be said. That was one of the highlights of that. Um, Joe, Darcy, Lobb, Hugel Hagen and Norton can all play forward. Um, uh, one or more, often or not, rotating off the bench. Uh, the strategy will be three fresh key forwards at all times and occasionally unleash 
the Fab Four at the same time for maximum frightening impact. And I like that, occasionally unleashing the fresh Fab Four. Um, yeah, Swans have Franklin Reed, McLean as well. I missed out McLean, so you're right. They do have McLean. Logan McDonald's still a work in progress, but you're right. He's obviously one they're pinning their hopes on as well. Um, third tall is in an evolution pipe. Gunston has been a third tall forward his entire career. Phil in Absford. Yeah, four certainly would be an evolution. And a number of teams playing the, the whole three, the big three, would be an interesting evolution. Uh, statistically, Harvey's better, but I'm taking Buckley. Better overhead, better kick, could play more positions. Uh, thanks for that text. Plenty still coming through on that. Robert Harvey wins at the peak of his powers. Nobody could tackle him. Was inside and outside. Probably the best sidestep of all time. It was a half-backward step as well from Robert Harvey. It wasn't just a side. You want to step back out of trouble and out of your way. Also, don't forget his three EJ Witten medals. That's from Ben as well. Uh, Can't will run four. Kerno Mackay to Koning Silvani with Cripps resting and small forwards Motlop and Durden. It's pretty exciting when you think about it. I hope the Manhattan forward line will work. Raf in Meadow Heights, do you think it'll work, Raf? Um, well, it's going to be a hard one because you've got to counter three tall forwards and three tall backs. And where do you get your three tall backs from? So not every team's got three tall backs. So do you have to take a forward away to counter that backman? It's, well, I'm more thinking that they're going to try and stretch you. So I think the Bulldogs may be about to say to opponents, well, you haven't got three tall backs. So we're going to play three, maybe four tall forwards. And that's the way we're going to beat you. That's going to be our point of difference. Because let's face it. The Bulldogs need to try something, Raf, as a point of difference because they didn't win the flag last year. And I think there are a couple of teams that are slightly ahead of them that they need to overcome. So can they beat Geelong by throwing an extra tall forward in? Can they beat Brisbane by stretching their back line? Can they beat Melbourne, who we know have got a great back line. They've got May and Lever. But if they put four in there, what do May and Lever then do? Can they zone off as much as they have? So maybe it's a point of difference maker for a few of these teams, Raf, to win some more games. I, I think it's going to be a tough one. Well, let's say the opposition team get on top of um, the Bulldogs and then they have to chuck a tall forward to the back line yeah. to come to that. I mean, it's a hard one to see, but it could work. It definitely could work if their skills are there. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice one to contemplate and I think we will see it unfold in various forms, but you're right. The Dogs, or every team, might have to say, OK, well, we tried it. Uh, they're running off us too much. We've conceded too much of a score. And, yeah, we're going to have to send one of our keys in the defence to help out there. Well, they're going to live and die by the sword by the looks of things. England, they're playing basketball. Broad just threw the bat at one, tried to edge it over the top, all the way over the third man boundary for four or six. But there was a man waiting for that exact shot. That's why they were bowling short to him. And he's out for 11 off nine. Broad out for 11 off nine. England, eight. For 2-1-5, they need 43 to win. Folks had been playing the sheet anchor role 2 from 14, but now Leach comes out to the crease, and they're in deep trouble, England. 8-4-2-1-5 with 43 remaining. We'll keep you in touch with that as this one continues to unfold across the program. Keep your calls coming as well. Got a heap to give away. Bottles of Starfold, two-fold, Starwood, two-fold, double-grain Australian whiskey, thanks to Hairy Dog Summer of Aussie Spirits hairydog.com.au. One thing also I wanted to have a chat to you about after the break. Dermot Brereton's joining us later in the program, so a few of these questions I'll ask Dermot Brereton as well. But Nathan Buckley was on, well, it was on with Jared Waitley earlier today, but yesterday he said that he thought that St Kilda didn't need to win more games this year than last year 
to actually go forward, which is an interesting bit of slack to cut Ross Lyon. Your thoughts on this, St Kilda fans, or just footy fans in general, does St Kilda need to at least win the same amount of games this year, 11 games this year, to look like they've gone forward? Here's Bucks from yesterday. They they won eleven games last year, and you know they showed some real spark at times. I, I I can't see them matching that this year, and I don't think they really need to to be heading in the right direction. I I think this is this is this for me is a with their injuries, with their list status. This is a this is a, a three year job, and they've decided to back. So it's a rebuild. Yeah, and I and I think they've decided to back a coach that they have more belief in that they're going to get a better result at the end of that three years than they than they would have with their old one. Your thoughts on that, Saints fans? Can you actually advance this year by winning less games? Justin Coburg wants to talk some Australian women's cricket while we're talking cricket with England, A for 215. You there, Justin? Yes, I am. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. Um, now, what would, who is England playing? Just to be on the first part, are they playing India? No, England's playing New Zealand right now. Oh, that's going to be a good game. Um, anyway, the Australian women's cricket team, um, I think they've done an amazing job winning the T20 World Cup. I mean, they had so many um, starts in that, and um, to have it played with South Africa in their hometown, I mean, you've got to give it to our Australian women's cricket team. It goes to show how damn good we are. Justin, I appreciate your call, and the more love they can get, the better. So... Uh, it's great to talk them up and continue to talk them up because they shouldn't have been um, left to not be talked up as much as other sports have sort of taken a little bit of the spotlight away from them when they've had victories before. So let's get them in this time and give them as much love as possible. Uh, Bradley, the best. Don't forget he put his port record in as well, Dwayne. Yeah, Bradley's was a great gun and he can be compared to Voss, um, Bucks, Harves, um, if you don't want me to put Gary Hockey into that equation, um, all is well with the Manhattan forward line until the ball comes to ground. Uh, Petty is Melbourne's tallest defender. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Love Midday Madness. Keep your calls coming and we'll get you to where 1-300-736-736 is the open line number. 1-300-736-736. Also keep you in touch with England's run chase. Eight for 215. With folks on two and Leach yet to get off the mark. And one just turned down the leg side to find leg for a single. So 42 more runs required to win. If you didn't hear, um, they looked like they were sailing to victory. Joe Root got out for 95 of 113. Well, just before he got out, uh, Ben Stokes got out for 33 after facing 116 deliveries and being really patient. Um, but things have turned a little. Eight for two one five with forty three to win. As we head back to your calls, David in Mundy, you got a thought on the Saints and the comment about the fact that they can still go forward but win less games this year. Yeah, get it, hey, Dwayne. Uh, you know, I sort of agree with um, Dwayne. Look, I'm a huge St Kilda uh, member fan. Um, I, I think you can also look at it on the other foot too. Um, there was four or five games there that were actually under a goal that we were beaten by. I mean, what's the difference if we can get those goals when King and, you know, obviously kicking the goals is an issue at the moment, but if we can get those goals, that's, that's a big difference, and that could be the difference in playing finals or not. I mean, about six to eight weeks ago, you were a bit bullish yourself and did suggest that St Kilda could make their way up. Obviously, the injuries may tell a little bit different, but um, I think it can go both ways. Now, I do 100% agree with Buckley that it's a, it's a mini-rebuild just to actually... 
you know, you've got to keep these supporters happy. Uh, I think that's what they've really tried for this 150th year. Um, but still, you know, the first eight games that we play are all here um, in Victoria other than a mutual ground as in Collingwood in um, Adelaide. So I think after that we have all our players come back and I think we're in a prime position where, you know, we still could be scratching hovering around that eight or we could be just bouncing ourselves in or out of it. Yeah, a big key is going to be whether you do get injuries and your back line as well is going to be a big watch. But, yeah, we can get Max King. Billings is going to be out for a while. So he's a big loss to you, Billings. So I'm glad the, I'm glad that so many St Kilda fans, not just with you, David, calling the line, but on the text are still pretty positive about the Saints as well. And there is a belief that the Saints could, given that it's a mini rebuild, if you like, as you've described it, um, you know, resurrect themselves fairly quickly. If they can get players at the end of this coming season. Maybe getting Ross Lyon at the club is going to help you draw cl- uh, players. Thanks for your call. A couple of texts. Big Saints fan here. And whilst I'm a bit bemused by the negative noise following a training session with opposition, I'll be judging my team this year on the progress of Windhager, Owens, Wanganine, Philippou, who look great, um, Hunter, Clark and Coffield. The wheel, wheel can turn quick with young talent. And I agree with you. The young talent kind of part of it is a big part of the equation because it rejuvenates the older guys as well. Uh, Another one here. Internally, the Saints have said they are willing to take a step to go back, to go forward. This talk about they need to make finals because they sack Ratton is just wrong. The club acknowledged they got it wrong, recruiting players to top up and try to pinch a flag. Being impatient has cost us a few years. Bucks is spot on. Thanks for your text. As well. Um, back to a couple of your calls. Tony on the road. you got a thought on the Saints. Welcome to you, Tony. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Great to speak with you, mate, the Saints. Yeah, um, I've got to go back a bit further. It all comes back. I'm happy with Ross Lyon, happy with um, Harvey, Goddard, Lenny. Absolutely sensational. Any, any St Kilda supporter would be pumped. But in that trade period at the, end of, at the end of last year, when they had a chance, we lacked tall players. I've been saying it for years. I've talked to you before. We had a chance in that trade period to, uh, you could go, the, the perfect uh, person would have been a star for Radagalia. Uh, Port Adelaide had to go, but he didn't want to go. Maybe if St Kilda had to go, they might have been able to get him. We, we've got two tall blokes above 200 centimetres, not counting our ruckman. You're never going to get anywhere with two tall blokes. Why on earth they drafted uh, Zane Cordy is an absolute and utter joke. I've watched him since he started training last year. When they had a, when they had a, a bit of a run around the oval at the end of, towards the end of last year, they had to run two laps. After two laps, he was half a lap behind. So okay, give him a bit of time. At the start of this year, the first training session in January, again they had to do the same thing. Uh, not at a real fast pace. Instead of being a half a lap behind, he was probably only about a quarter. So, but not only was he about a quarter, he was panting and all that. Uh, you, I mean, he would have been a, he would have been slower than a snail with arthritis. Anyhow, uh, so come a week before, a week before that game on Friday, they had to do they almost jogging two laps. He was about ten metres behind the last bloke again under extreme pressure. How on earth he, he got picked in that first game is an absolute and utter disgrace. And not only that, at full forward, you've got to be joking. Have they got any brains? Are the brains coming, or are they, or are they still away with the fairies? It is absolutely unbelievable. And then what do they do? They put Dougal up there. Dougal is a gun, a gun fullback for us. He's been great since he, since he came along. It was a no-brainer. 
Anthony Camelletti has been there three weeks. On what he's done in the two weeks, he is so much in front of Zane Cordy, it's not a joke. They should have played him in the main game, as with Cooper Shum, who I've spoke about before. And on the back line, it's got me bedazzled how Tom Highmore just can't get in that team. He's just an unbelievable mark. Um, what your previous caller said about the young blokes, that's all good. They all look great. Messiah Philippou watched him since he came. He's been really exciting. Uh, I'm happy with all that. But unless you've got two, um, some more tall blokes, uh, when we got Carlisle, I thought it was going to change. He misses a year, then he does his back, and we're pretty much stuffed again. And then in that trade period, by the way, oh, no, we, don't, we think we've got enough tools to cover it. As soon as Ross Lyon gets there, we've got to, we've got to get tools. Oh, you've got to be joking. Has anybody, has anybody got a brain down there? What do you reckon, Dwayne? Uh, Tony, I'm a bit more bullish about Zane Cordy than you. Uh, I think he has got a big upside. And I think if you do recruit a guy, you've got to give him every chance during the preseason to, to play his role and get into that side and make a difference for you. So you've got to give Zane Cordy every chance. Uh, I think he's better than you give him credit for, to be honest. But, hey, we'll have a look around 16 and see where we're at. Um, there's no doubt that Ross Lyon coming in would have changed the philosophy. He might have convinced them about a couple of things that they weren't convinced about before. And tools are a pretty important part of your repertoire. So if you don't think you've got good ones, maybe you need backup ones as well. So to give yourself more options in that regard. So, yeah, Tony, I understand your frustration. I get it. Um, but it's at least they're, they're relevant right now, St Kilda. So 100% they're relevant. We're all watching them. So let's see it unfold and keep calling during the year. Peter and Doreen, you got a thought. Peter, welcome to you. Yeah, um, I agree with you. They're relevant. And I know that Gary Lyon's going to do a good job over the years. But I think a lot of the Saints are going to be in for a, a bit of a shock, shock year. I, I'd tip them to finish bottom four because I reckon their team's worse than what it was last year. They've lost Paddy Ryder. They've lost Dan Long. All they've really gained is Cordy. So to me, I reckon they've got Philip Pooses or whatever his yeah, name Pope, is, yeah. uh, is into the club. But I can't see them getting out of the bottom four this year. I reckon they'll be lucky to win five or six games, especially in the first half of the year until King and that come back. They probably only win those four or five, six games after that. You're not having King is a huge loss, Peter. And when he does come back, how fit's he going to be? And there'll be, you know, criticism. Is he working hard enough in that forward line? So all those questions get thrown up that have already been thrown up about Max King. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, oh, look, hold the line. Got something for you. I hear your frustration. And some of the texts are saying that you need to show patience. But it's been hard for Saints fan because... You know, for decades you've had to throw throw patience into the mix every time we talk about you. You've got a bottle of Starwood, two-fold double-grain Australian whiskey, thanks to Hairy Dog Summer of Aussie Spirits coming your way, hairydog.com.au. Another four runs added to the total. So, folks, has moved to eight off 24. England need 37 runs to win. Leach, yet to get off the mark, uh, is none from nine. A couple of texts that have come through. Uh, not a fan of the three tall forwards for so long. Richmond had Rewalt, Rickery and Griffiths. As soon as the ball hit the ground, the ball was quickly taken away by the opposition. Once we swapped to the small forward line around Rewalt, the pressure came and so did the premiership. Yeah, I agree with all of that, except um, there is one text here that is the rider on that. Um, what people don't understand is that Darcy, Lobb, Eugle, Hagen, Norton, and even Tim English floating forward from the ruck are all A-graders. And that is the issue in this. If your three forwards are all A-graders, 
it's a hell of a lot different than just playing three forwards because you think you need to play three forwards. Uh, three of them, this is from J-Dog, 207 centimetres or taller, which is unprecedented. Uh, it will not work at the key forwards, just battlers or average players, and I think I agree with that as well. Pies will play Cox, Myacek and McStay. Uh, Swans also have a Marty, that's a good text as well, but he's injured at the moment, so I'm not sure how long he's going to be out for. Another one here uh, is typical from you, Dwayne. How could you have Harvey, Buckley, Bradley discussion and include Hocking without the mention of Hurd? Yeah, I see James Hurd as more that pushing forward or forward player as well. So he had forward craft as part of his repertoire, James Hurd. I remember him playing a game at fullback on Gary Ablett Sr. as well. Not only a midfielder, James Hurd, so a forward as well. Um, not sure how many goals he kicked, but I can guarantee you, uh, goal for game-wise, it would have been a hell of a lot more than Robert Harvey. Uh, appreciate your text, though. Thanks for giving me a whack. Glenn and Tullamarine, I'm coming to you shortly as Midday Madness continues, but it's a little bit of cricket madness at the moment. Eight for 225, England. They need 33 to win. Folks is 12 of 30. He's been protecting Leach, so they haven't been taking a single. But Leach, they brought Bracewell on, so the spinner is in, and he fends this one away. They're crowding around the bat now, and he's negotiated the last two balls of that over, and that'll bring folks back on strike with 33 runs to win. But they're being a bit more cautious and not taking the single, folks. Obviously, the designated guy to get them home from here. Glenn and Tallarine, welcome to you, Glenn. Thanks for holding. Yeah, good afternoon, Dwayne. I just wanted to compare the coverage of pre-season matches in the 90s and early 2000s, as well as crowds compared with today. Um, in the 90s and early 2000s, every single pre-season match was live on television into Melbourne. And the, um, as an example, the 97 Ansett Australia Cup had an average crowd of 19,773. Compare that to today, where we've got games that are only on Foxtel or KO at 11 o'clock and 10 o'clock on a weekday morning when everybody's at school or work. I mean, to me, clearly, the more people got to watch the processing games than they do now, it was clearly a better system than what we've got right now. So you'd go back to the knockout competition system? Is that what you'd go to? Definitely. Well, definitely. And even if we don't, I think it needs to be on television. And it needs to be on at times when people aren't at work or at school. I mean, 11 o'clock and 10 o'clock on a Friday morning, it doesn't make any sense. Surely it's better off to play at prime time at night when people aren't working and aren't at school and give people an opportunity to watch it, surely. Yeah, well, the scheduling is not... Uh, the AFL has scheduled it when the AFL has scheduled it, so I can't help what they did last weekend, and I, I'm not part of the scheduling for this weekend as well. It would have seemed to me to be a great thing to play on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday. Uh, there's no games on Sunday this weekend, but um, scheduling... Yeah, we can argue about when it should be on. I get, I get your problem. It would be better if they were in better slots. Uh, there was a couple of games last weekend that were going head-to-head. It was bizarre to me that you would play the two WA teams head-to-head with each other, really. So Western Australian fans had to choose whether they watched Fremantle or watched the West Coast. I would have spread them. And same with South Australian fans had to choose whether they watched the Adelaide Crows or Port Adelaide, but they elected not to spread them, whereas I would have. So, yeah, look, we can argue about scheduling. I'm with you on it. There's some times where I raise my eyebrows and say, why? And then when you ask the question, you find out exactly why. I'm not sure why they did that this last weekend. Almost a catch just over the outstretched arm, and folks gets it to the boundary, and that's the modus operandi. He's the guy who's obviously given the assignment to get England home. He's moved to 16 off 33 now. Um, keep your calls coming. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number. 
1-300-736-736. As midday, madness continues. Dwayne's World for Master Builders Victoria, by the way, supporting businesses in residential, commercial and civil construction. And for Athena Home Loans, pay down your home loan faster with Athena. Keep your text coming as well on that Werribee Kia open line. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the open line number. But the 40 Winks temper text also up and running 0433981116. So a few texts that have come through. Hi, Dwayne. Uh, St Kilda were the last side to beat Geelong. They had King, Marshall, Membry and Sharman playing forward in that game. Nice point, Mick, um, and uh, point well made. Dwayne, I think the Saints need to go backwards to go forwards, as you point out. All is not lost, though. I saw them play a cracker against Carlton last season, and young Sinclair absolutely killed it in that game. Josh in Bandura. So it's good to see so many Saints fans out there still pretty confident that they can get some enjoyment for their money this year. Uh, Richmond were the top scoring forward line last year, and they are about to plug a fully fit Dustin Martin into it. Lynch, Rewalt, Dusty, Bolton, Cumberland, Morris Rioli Jr., Taranto, and now Cochin looking to play forward. Exciting lineup it is. That's why I think they're a genuine, well, equal premiership favourite in my mind that I do have to put my eight in for the footy record today. So I've got to get that some consideration as to what my eight is and what the order is. Pipe, can you tell us what sort of line and length the Kiwis are bowling? You'd expect four Yorkers in and over. If this was T20, which is kind of the way the English seem to be batting, Chris in Batemans Bay, well, they're bowling fairly short. They're allowing them to place shots square at the wicket, which is a bit of a surprise to me, but it's got them into this point where they could actually win the, the match. So uh, let's see how it unfolds in the next couple of minutes. So folks is 19 not out of 35. Leach is yet to get off the mark. He's faced 13 balls, and when he has faced... He's been very cautious. He's just playing the anchor. Don't do anything crazy down one end and let folks hit the runs required. They need 26 more runs to win, 8 for 232. But Leach is on strike now and he ducks out of the way of a bouncer. So it kind of emphasises the point that I've been making. They are bowling a little shorter than I thought they would. But that gives Leach an out. He just ducked out of the way of it. And um, for some reason, they've uh, bowled short to Leach at the end of that over rather than testing him with a Yorker. One also thing that uh, was raised today between Bucks and Jurab whilst we're at it is the merits of an umpire press conference post-match during the final series. Jurab Waitley thought that, why, why shouldn't we put the umpires up after every final and have them explain controversial decisions like the NFL does? So the Tom Lynch non, well, the goal decision, the non-goal that was a goal that wasn't a goal, that virtually decided the Brisbane-Richmond final last year. Should the umpires, including the ARC decision-maker, be put up to answer questions? Because the ARC decider, the ARC decision-maker, is allowed to remain anonymous. We know who all the field umpires are, but the ghost of the ARC, the knower in the ARC, if you like, the boss of the ARC, he doesn't explain himself. Here's Gerard Whiteley with Nathan Buckley earlier today talking about this. The, the one striking aspect is there's... Uh, the reporting in the aftermath, the, the referee is made available to a respected pool reporter who asks the sequence of questions about mm. the holding call. Why was it? Was it contentious? How was it decided on the field? Is there anything anyone else needs to know? And it's all out there. You don't have to agree mm. with it, but this is how that call was made. And uh, 
and it, it's it's very defendable. I think that's a very useful thing to do so that everybody understands what happened and why. Well, I think and I, can debate from an informed position. I, I love it when Razor used to come in here. I don't think we give our. I know maybe they want to be anti-creating um, characters or personalities through that, but I think it humanises people when you hear from them, when you give them the chance to give voice to the nuance in the decision-making. I think that by not allowing that, we create a bigger chasm between what we see in our officiating um, group and what we want to see. Like yep. the, I think more communication is better yep. rather, than, rather than what we have seen. Nathan Buckley and Gerard Whateley earlier today. So your thoughts on that? Are they right? We should actually put the umpires up after every final, have them explain controversial decisions like the NFL does and get an explanation from the ARC decider as well as to why he overruled, how he saw it as definitive and his decision to overrule because it would clarify a lot of things for a lot of people. England, 24 runs required to win. Folks is 20 of 40 and Leach is still yet to get off the mark of 14. But Bracewell is now bowling to him. He's got two deliveries to negotiate to end this over. And he hasn't been playing the spin that well. So he cut some slack earlier on when he was able to duck out of a short ball. But they've got men around the bat now for Leach on strike. So England, 234 for eight. They need 24 to win. And they did take the single and he's cut at that one and it's just missed the outside edge and gone through to the keeper. Bracewell's got none for 73. Wagner's been the big uh, wicket taker. He's got three. And if you don't know the story of this test match between these two teams, um, England, eight for 435 declared. New Zealand then, in response, made 209. They were forced to follow on as fending forward Leach kicks this last ball of the Bracewell over out, and he lives to fight another day, so that'll bring folks back on strike. So England were 8 for 435 declared. New Zealand then all out for 209. They were forced to follow on. Made 483 in their second dig, and now England in response to that. uh, 8 for 234, and they're edging ever closer to victory. Two weeks away if you're a New Zealand fan. Back-to-back boundaries off the bat of Folks, so 28 of 43, and Ben Folks is getting the job done at the moment. Jack Leach down the other end just has to negotiate every deliver that he face, faces at the end of each over. If he's left to face one, so they need 16 to win now, England, 8 for 2 for 2, and Wagner is in, and they're continuing to bowl short, very short this time, Folks. Let's it go, and it's a wide. Can you believe that? So they've bowled a wide with England needing 16 runs to win. That's how short they're bowling. It's that short. It's been reduced to 15. John in Port Augusta. Welcome to you, John. Oh, no, I wait no one's bowled short, mate. <laughs> but uh, just, on, just on this Bradley Harvey Buckley situation, boss and all the rest of it, I love Bradles, as you well know. Here I am, I'm being a port man, all the rest of it. Um, I met him when he was working indoor cricket around as it was like years ago. And he's a humble champion, and he was a great bloke. Couldn't do enough when we got his autograph. Champion, better, better bloke than he was a player, that's saying something. But um, I'd go Voss. Voss is one of the out of those blokes. I'd go Michael Voss, because he's, he's one of the more... He's one of the most... He's one of the greatest players 
I've ever seen. He was brutal. He was brutal, played a little bit like... I, I, I know Malcolm Blight really rates. He's got him nearly as good as Lee Matthews, Michael Voss. John, I'm not going to argue with you. Fact. I'm not going to argue with you at all. I think you're spot on. He's, he's, I think you've always got to pick one of that group. You know, Vossi, 289 games, three premierships at Brownlow, five All-Australians. Uh, Bucks, 280 games, so a similar amount of games at Brownlow and at North Smith, seven All-Australians. So when you talk about just the numbers stacking up for Bucks, they do stack up for Bucks. And at his best, he was absolutely awesome for a long, long period of time, Nathan Buckley. But, yeah, if you want to put them head-to-head, I'm happy for people to put Vossi ahead of Bucks. And I reckon Bucks would almost be happy for people to think Vossi is ahead of him. They're two genuine superstars of the game. So, hey, appreciate your call, John, and I appreciate your thoughts, and good to see here that you met Brattles, and he was nice to you down at the indoor cricket down at West Lakes. Uh, keep your texts and calls coming. Uh, Bucks is wrong. The reason fans don't like listening to the umpires is they never admit they got it wrong. Uh, the umpires can't win. People want them to be anonymous, and now Jared wants them to front us, be front and centre after the games. If I were the umpires, I'd say get stuffed. That's from Jeff. Uh, thanks for that. Um, absolutely, we should expect the ARC and or umpires to explain controversial decisions, right or wrong. At least it clears the air. As a Richmond supporter, I'm still waiting for the AFL to release their conclusive footage of the Lynch behind from the elimination final last season. That's from Quinn. Yeah, Quinn, I'm still waiting for them to release that as well. <laughs> thanks for your text. Um, having the ARC would be pointless. He would just um, say his view. He clearly saw a goal. Yeah, maybe they would just simply back up their own decision. Um, Hi, Dwayne. I think England have the test in the bag now. That missed catch was the match, Susan. Uh, and that set text was sent through a few minutes ago now. 14 required to win as it stands right now. Uh, the arms presser will never happen. They are above everyone and accountable to nobody. Um, Dwayne, mad dog supporter, super stoked with Saturday. Defensive side of the game has improved and the tours up forward and the backs are going to be huge. Top four, Troy from Ballarat. Appreciate your text, Troy, as well. Another one here from Kane. Ask Dermy what he thinks about Harvey or Buckley. So I'll ask Dermy to weigh into that argument as well. Harvey, Buckley, Voss. Should Bradley be in that argument? Should Gary Hocking be in that argument? Just 10 runs to win now for England, 8 for 248, 10 to win. Folks has been doing a brilliant job. He's 32 off 49, just took a single from the last delivery. And Leach is on, well, he's yet to get off the mark after 18 deliveries. We'll keep you in touch with this. Simon Hill joins us, the voice of the World Game, host of the Global Game tonight from 9pm across the SEN network. We missed him last week, but he's back this week. Simon, great to have you back on. How are you, Dwayne? You all right? I'm okay now that you're back on and perfectly timed because everyone's talking Ange Postacoglu right now. Yeah, well, he keeps delivering, doesn't he? He's uh, won another trophy, Scottish League Cup, second year in a row. Uh, Obviously, they won the Scottish Premier League last season as well. Um, And obviously, every time he wins a trophy, you know, the the speculation ratchets up about that, you know, he's going to move to the English Premier League. I see he's hosed down those... uh, those discussions again in the last uh, couple of days. But, uh, you know, he'll know that at some point uh, he's going to make that move and I, I don't think there'll be any shortage of interest in him. So when you say that, there could be another couple of teams looking for new managers. How's Chelsea going, by the way? Are they they're the latest to be on the ropes a little here? 
Yeah, look, they lost to Spurs at the weekend. Um, Graham Potter is, is having a nightmare start, and he's spent an awful lot of money as well. Uh, Todd Bowley, the new owner of uh, Chelsea, who succeeded Roman Abramovich, of course, has backed him with a lot of money. Um, I, I Look, I think they'll give him a little bit of time. They have to, really, but... Obviously, the, the unknown factor in all of this is uh, how the fans respond to this uh, continued poor form. And they're not happy. Uh, there was rumours of some death threats being issued to him and his family last week, which obviously is beyond the pale. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean, Roman Abramovich had a very itchy trigger finger. He got rid of uh, coaches and changed them as often as he changed his underpants. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure Todd Bowley will do the same just yet. But if he, if he was to do that, then... You know, that might be a job that Ange would be interested in. I, I don't know. I don't pretend to speak for him, but, you know, I think at some point he's got ambitions of coaching or managing in the Premier League. Maybe he's waiting for Jurgen Klopp to leave Liverpool because I know he was a big uh, boyhood Liverpool fan. That, that would be a job I think that would be just too big for him to turn down. How are they going, Liverpool? Draw with Crystal Palace. So there's a lot of unhappy supporters, Liverpool supporters out there as well. And their loss to Real Madrid in the Champions League was uh, one yeah. to behold. Yeah, look, they've, they've had a very ordinary season um, and it's it's baffling, to be honest, I think, to most onlookers because they've still got a very good squad, but they just haven't quite been there this season. And, and whether that's because they went so close last year to winning that unprecedented uh, quadruple, and of course they, they fell tr- two trophies short in the end, uh, maybe there's been a bit of a you know mental hangover because of that. Um, there was the World Cup in the middle, which of course has affected everybody, not just Liverpool. But they just don't seem to be the same team this season. And um, you know, Klopp, I'm sure, will be given time to to sort that out if he wants it. Um, but he's, I think, he's got a big job to do in the off season. He's, he's going to have to you know revamp his squad, I think, to a, to a large degree, particularly in in the midfield area. And, and the latest result, as you pointed out, nil-nil against Crystal Palace. I mean, it leaves them almost in mid-table, really. They're still, you know, a fair way off the top four. They could still make it and, and qualify for the Champions League. Doesn't look like they're going to go any further in this year's competition. Uh, I can't see them turning around a 5-2 deficit in the second leg at the Bernabeu. So, uh yeah, it's going to be a, a long off-season, I think, for Liverpool with uh, a lot of soul-searching with regards to how they rebuild the squad and, and become competitive again. Always great to have you on, Simon. We could talk for another hour about Man City and Arsenal and that battle at the top, but I get the same text every time you're on, and that is, ask Simon about Jamie McLaren, so I don't want to leave you too little time to talk about Jamie McLaren. Well, Jamie's just having another brilliant season. He, he's uh, a goal scorer that's as regular as clockwork. He got another two at the weekend in the 3-2 win against Sydney FC. He doesn't always get hugely involved in games. He's just a goal poacher um, and always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And Yeah, OK, he scores a, you know, a few penalties as well, but they still have to be converted. He's now on... I think it's 137 or 138 goals. He's, he's only four short of Vessart Barisha, who is the all-time A-League leading goal scorer, uh, the all-time leading goal scorer of all time in, in the, the two uh, iterations of the National League, the National Soccer League and the A-League, is Damian Mori, who has a 240. Now, he's, he's still a long way behind that, but you know the way he's going, providing he stays in the A-League and doesn't fancy another fight at Europe, then, you know, you wouldn't put it past him becoming the top scorer of all time, which would be a heck of an achievement. 
Um, and clearly, you know, he plays for the Socceroos as well, and he's scored goals at international level. Not quite the same regularity. That's understandable. It's it's a more rarefied atmosphere at that level. But, uh, you know, in our domestic competition, he is certainly without peer at the moment. And I have no doubt that he'll, he'll move past Barisha's record probably in the next couple of weeks, to be honest, the way he's going. And uh, there's a review here, by the way, in the cricket. So um, there is a chance that I think he's just fended it away with his chest. So there's no chance, I don't think, that he's out. Even though they've gone to the review, it was nowhere near his gloves. So it's still going to be eight for um, with nine runs left for England. Uh, They've just checked the review and he's fine, even though uh, I'm not sure that uh, Leach being exposed for two deliveries at the end of that over was the way to go by Ben Folks, but he's done it. Pretty well so far. Folks is 33 from 53. Leach has one more delivery to negotiate for this over with nine to win. Um, We've been celebrating women's sport a bit recently, Simon. Uh, It's been great what our Aussie cricket cricketers have been able to do. And I understand the Matildas are going to be playing in a big one at Marble Stadium. Yeah, they're going to play uh, France in uh, Melbourne, which is their final warm-up game before the Women's World Cup on home soil, of course. Uh, to come in the middle of the year. And it's, uh, you know, a marquee fixture, this one. Obviously, France are uh, a very, very good side. They are potential World Cup uh, challenges as well. Uh, and they're going through a bit of an interesting time off the field at the moment. Their uh, long-serving captain and one of the best central defenders in the world, Wendy Renard, uh, said a couple of weeks ago that she wasn't going to play for the national team anymore. And a couple more joined her. There's a few women's teams around the world who are going through these problems at the moment, they're not happy with the coach, Corinne Diacre. And the rumour is is that Diacre is going to resign today Mm. along with the president of the French Football Federation, Noel Legray. So if if that happens, then maybe those players will be back, uh, not just for the Women's World Cup, but for this friendly as well. And... um, even though that might not help the Matildas on paper, it's it's probably great for local fans because they get to see some of the best players in the world. So I would expect that to be a full house at Marvel Stadium and uh, to give the girls the best possible send-off, not that they're going anywhere, of course, uh, before they play you know, on home soil in the Women's World Cup. Simon, great to have you. What else is on the show tonight? Uh, we got a chat with uh, Nick Green, who is the new interim coach of Brisbane Raw, who got a, week, uh, a win at the weekends, uh, which is their first in some time. And we'll also speak to Sydney FC's Jack Rodwell, ahead of the Big Blue, Sydney FC Melbourne Victory this weekend. And we've got all our regulars. Alicia Carnavas will be uh, running her eye across uh, the Matildas. Spencer Pryor on Man United's Carabao Cup win. And Paul Williams with Football Asia. So another busy show at 9 o'clock tonight. Well, here it all, Simon Hill, voice of football, host of the Global Game tonight from 9pm across the SEN network. Can't wait to have a chat to you next week, Simon. Always great to have you on. So nine runs to win for England, eight for 249. They're giving folks the single, but he's refusing to take it until late in the over. He's now actually trying to get through for two, and they do scramble back for a second. So it's down to seven runs to win, even though it was a direct hit from side on with the return. Seven runs to win. Eight for two, five, one. Folks is 35. Leach, yet to get off the mark and he's faced 21 deliveries. Always great to have your company on Dwayne'sville. We might be in for the finish to beat all finishes here. One wicket required for New Zealand to win. England needs seven runs. So Anderson and Leach are at the crease. 
And if you don't know the story of this test match so far, England, eight for 435 declared. New Zealand, all out for 209 in response. Asked to follow on. 483 they made in the second dig. And so England, with the run chase under their new basball system, they were flying at one stage. Joe Root then got out for 95 of 113 deliveries. And Jack Leach is not out uh, yet to get off the mark after 22 deliveries. Jimmy Anderson has just walked to the crease with him. So Ben Folks thought he was going to be able to knock the ball for four, fended one for a catch, caught by Wagner Bowl Southie for 35. So it comes down to this. Wagner bowling, it's short, and it's through to the keeper. So Anderson yet to get off the mark. Leach is on strike right now. Here's how the ninth wicket fell. Ooh, that's a top edge. Top edge and out! Wagner takes the catch. Southie's done it! New Zealand one wicket away. Can you believe it? Folks can't. He's gone. Wagner. Southie have done it. Amazing, really. It's a big crowd in watching it as well. It's perfect conditions. And now they're trying to work out whether they crowd the bat or not. And they're deciding not to. So Wagner's been the hero. Three for 57 from 14.2 overs, and he has the ball in his hand to continue being the, the hero if he can take his fourth wicket. And he's bowling to Leach, seven runs to win, England nine for 251, and at various stages of this match, England has looked like they've got it in their control, and now suddenly it's a threat to be taken from them. Leach on strike, Anderson at the non-striker's end, Wagner in, Lynch, he thought about fending it down the leg side for a single it's through to the keeper. Keep your text coming as well. Susan on the text. Wow, what a great catch. It's not over. Absolutely, it's not over. Uh, a couple of texts on the whole uh, argument we're talking about with Voss, Buckley, Robert Harvey, and Craig Bradley. Uh, I'd say Bradley. Only problem was uh, I'm a Sturt fan, and I understand Sturt fans not wanting to pump Brattles up because he was a thorn in your side for a while. Another one here. Hi, Dwayne. Imagine if Bucks had stayed at Brisbane with Voss, Black, Ackermanis. They might have won six flags in a row. Uh, nice text. Three for 57, Wagner. And he's in again. And throwing the bat out at Leach. Has he got a top edge? He has. And it's fallen just short of the fielder at third man. Unbelievable. They thought they had the wicket, New Zealand. They don't. Leach scrambles through for his first run. He's one off 25. And they get away with it. Top edge. Just flying its way just short of the third man fielder and just over the head of the keeper, Blundell, who was racing back to try and catch it. This is going to be the finish to beat all finishes. We do have a news commitment coming up, I understand, um, but it's been riveting, this one, from the outset today and probably from the outset of this text, test. So nine for 2.52. They now need six to win England, and Anderson is now the man who is on strike. So... We're going to delay news, I understand. So that's a good news story for you. We'll keep you in touch with this. Big delivery coming in here. Wagner fends it away, does Anderson. It was high on the splice. Might have been a bit of glove. He got it to ground. There is a man chewed in on the leg side, but he kept it away from him. And he lives to fight another day. So they might put an extra man around the bat here. It did catch a little bit of bat handle, a bit of bat handle and splice, but he's got it away. Uh, John on the text here, Dwayne. Do not put the umpires before the media. They need not explain their decisions. They are employed to oversee and rule on matches. Players affect 
match outcomes, not umpires, John, in Lilydale, And you make a, a pretty good point with that. Keep your text coming through as well on 0433981116, the 40 Winks temper text. So Wagner bowling to Anderson again. Man short in on the, le- on the leg and the offside, and he throws the bat at it, smashes it toward the boundary, and he's got it there for four. Two to win. Two runs to win. Nine for 256. And Anderson with his own version of Basball smacking a boundary. Four from four. Now two runs to win. And Wagner perplexed as to how that got away. It just went past the outstretched hand of the fielder. We'll take more of your calls after the break on this as well if you want to have a chat about it. So we've got a heap of stuff to give away. We've got vouchers thanks to Perla to give away. Perla, P-E-A-R-L-E-R. Premium tees without the price tag. Get Perla.com. Dwayne's World, by the way, for Master Builders Victoria, supporting businesses in residential, commercial and civil construction. And we're here for Athena Home Loans. Pay down your home loan faster with Athena. That open line, by the way, brought to us by Werribee Kia, awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? And if you are in the market for a new or used car, make sure you head on down and see the team at Werribee Kia. They'd love to see you. David, Janan, Aid, Jim and the whole team would love to see you. We can celebrate some lives as well, thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives whilst they're considering their field here with two runs for England to win. I presume they're going to bring a few in now. Uh, NBA superstar Luka Doncic today celebrates his 24th birthday as part of Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. So Southie is in, and ducking out of the way was Leach, who's on one from 25. Also, former North Melbourne captain Jack Zebel. Turns 32 years of age today. And iconic singer-songwriter Mike Brady. Happy birthday to you, Mike, turning 75 today. Happy birthday, Tobin Brothers Funerals. A family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Still to come this hour, by the way, Dermot Brereton is going to join us a little bit later on for a deluxe ice coffee range catch-up thanks to McCafe. So Southie in, Leach on strike. Two needed to win here, allows it to pass Outside off stump. Also in this hour, by the way, uh, SEN's tournament to name the greatest AFL team since 2000 will continue. So thanks to Warby Kia. In yesterday's semi-finals, Brisbane of 2002 defeated Brisbane of 2001. So a nice head-to-head between those two teams. And Geelong 2007 defeated Hawthorne of 2014. So you can continue to vote on the SEN Twitter page by giving us a call on one 736 736 or having your say on today's semi-finals matchups, and I'll give you those matchups shortly. So Leach on strike, two needed to win, and he fends this away. He thought about pushing it on the onside, so they've still got no slip in. Uh, they've got a man short in on the offside, a man short in on the leg side. They've got a leg gully as well waiting for him, so he can't tickle it down the leg side and get away with it. They're not giving him an opportunity here at Leach to be able to hit long because they haven't been able to uh, hit long Leach and Anderson so far. But they have been bowling a little shorter than I thought they would have. So 256 for nine, two runs to win. New Zealand need a wicket to win this one and he ducks out of the way. Another one outside off that he doesn't fend away. So Essendon 2000 and Brisbane 2003, those two matchups are Essendon 2000 versus Brisbane 2003. Hawthorne 2013 versus versus Hawthorne 2015. So that's the two matchups 
in the semi-final matchups today. Essendon 2000, Brisbane 2003, Hawthorne 2013 and Hawthorne 2015. Crowd up on their feet at the moment waiting for this one. So South is the final deliver, delivery of his over. He's got three for 45. Leach is on strike. New Zealand need a wicket to win. He plays it down the field. He is cut off at cover. And they can't take a run. So we'll keep you in touch with this. That's the end of the over. And it's all, by the way, thanks to Werribee Kia. Jump on the line if you want to have a chat about it. If you're watching it at home, jump on the line. Let's have a chat about it while it's unfolding. one 736 736 That open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. one 736 736 We do have a news commitment that we've pushed back for about four or five minutes. So we'll bring you another over as this unfolds. one 736 If you'd like to join me and have a chat about the way it's unfolding. So... It's now Leach on strike uh, at the moment. In fact, it's going to be Anderson on, th- on strike at the moment, I think. Um, so two to win, nine for 256. New Zealand need this wicket, and he ducks out of a, the way of another one. And they're being a little cautious, so no Baz ball at the moment. It is Leach on strike. He's got one from 31 deliveries. He's just walking down the pitch at the moment to pat it down and do a little fist pump with Jimmy Anderson. So that is the end of the over. That will bring Anderson on strike. So Jimmy Anderson, after taking three for 37 and being a bit of a hero earlier on, one of their all-time greats, is going to be on strike to start this over. England needing two more runs to win and New Zealand needing a wicket. If you do decide to call, we've got a few things to give away still. A couple of Dwayne's World T-shirts as well. We've got a new batch of those printed up. So... A Dwayne's World T-shirt or two. We've got some vouchers as well, thanks to Perler. P-E-A-R-L-E-R. Premium tees without the price tag. If you want to check out Perler a little more, get Perler.com. So it's hearts and mouths at the moment. The crowd, the camera panning around to the crowd, and it's people on their feet, pensive, people unable to look, shielding their eyes, uh, people covering their mouth so they don't say something they shouldn't. So there's a man short in. There's a, a short... There's a short leg and a short at the moment mid-off, although he's moving a little squarer. So short point for Anderson on strike with two to win and New Zealand needing a wicket. And he allows it to pass down the leg side, and that was nearly a wide. That's the last thing they wanted. So it's called one above shoulder length delivery. So the next one bowled short to Anderson will be called a wide. So we'll keep you an eye on that as well. Keep your text coming through. Quite a few texts coming through on the temper text as well. If you would choose... The narrative that umpires are untouchable. God helps sports and life in general. Another one here. How does Geelong beat Hawthorne when that team was better than they were in 2008? Uh, Great to have so many of your texts coming through. So we'll keep you in touch with this. Two runs to win. Still Jimmy Anderson on strike. Taking plenty of time. The Kiwis getting together to discuss the field placings again. Wagner, who's got... Three for 62, bowling to Anderson. He tries to fend it down the leg side. There's an appeal for court behind, and he may be out. New Zealand may have won it. Wagner thinks he's got it. Anderson may have tickled it to the keeper, and this could be one of the great New Zealand test victories of all time. So he's being given out. They're going to go to the review shortly. 256 all out, maybe England, with two runs needed for victory. Wagner maybe with his fourth wicket of this innings. And New Zealand win by a run. Phenomenal. Unbelievable. New Zealand 
get the win. Unbelievable finish. Anderson, he tickled it. It was only just touched by the face of his bat, but he touched it, and he was the last man out. And an amazing one-run win by New Zealand after being forced to follow on. So England, 8 for 435 declared. New Zealand all out for 209. Forced to follow on, made 483, and England fell one run short in the run chase even though at times they looked like they had it won. I mean, Joe Root, 95 off 113 deliveries. He looked like he was going to get them home. He didn't. Ben Stokes, 33 from 116 deliveries. He looked like he was about to get them home. He didn't. Ben Folks, 35 from 57 deliveries. He looked like he was going to get them home. And then Stuart Broad got out for 11 off 9. He looked like he was going to be able to get them home. Jack Leach finishes not out 1 after 31 deliveries faced he played that sheet anchor role, but Jimmy Anderson, the final man out, and Wagner was the hero. Mike in Geelong, you got a thought on it, Mike? Welcome to you. Uh, thanks, Dwayne, and thank you for that call. It was actually really, I really got into it uh, for a New Zealand and England game. I, I didn't think I'd actually get into a game like that. So, And I just want to touch on the game itself. I'm just wondering whether there's room to... Everyone's very traditionalist about the way test cricket is at the moment, but you see how England's going about it. I'm just wondering whether we can shorten up the first innings, just say the 90 overs in the first innings and as long as you want to go in the second. But it just brings it, you know, I hate seeing teams put five, 600 on and watching the other team not actually get anywhere near it. And just seeing the way England goes about it, I just want to get your thoughts. Yeah, well, it came back to haunt them, I suppose, and that's the big decision when it comes to enforcing the follow-on. I mean, it's very rare that you get forced to follow-on and you end up winning the Test match, but what a tribute to New Zealand's fighting spirit to be all out for 209 in their first dig and then make 483 and to fight back on this final day as well. It was absolutely stunning because they were cooked on a couple of occasions. But uh, as a couple of texters have said... uh, who said Test cricket isn't alive and well? What a cracker of a game. Mike, it was a cracker of a game. And, hey, I really appreciate you jumping on the line. Hold the line. We've got something for you uh, from the prize cabinet. You've got a $40 voucher thanks to Perla, P-E-A-R-L-E-R. Premium tees without the price tag, get Perla.com. Okay, we'll catch our breath and allow Dermot Brereton to join us. Great to have you, Derm. Good to be able to talk a bit of footy. Sorry to hold you up. We're going to get you straight out of two, but there was a bit going on and. The world of live sport, and that's what SEN is. It's live sport. Uh, welcome to you. Great to have you for a cafe coffee catcher. Hello, Dwayne. Wonderful to hear you. Um, yeah, well, you say you should. Yes, you know I'm a cricket buff and uh, a lover of cricket, so uh, that's extraordinary. The last time I can think of that happening was when uh, uh, back in India, second last uh, series ago, when I think it was the test when um, Glenn McGrath... No, uh, no, that was England. Uh, when India were forced to follow on and they uh, ended up knocking Australia over, everything was going swimmingly until then, and then they just totally torched us thereafter. So um, it's rarity, but it, but it happens. You've been playing over summer again? Uh, I've been having a little hit. I've got 23 not out on the weekend. And oh, wow. <laughs> one of my great mates, the old... Uh, 
John Hilly down the peninsula, a local legend. He got uh, he got another ton in our team, so thoroughly enjoying it. I love my cricket, as you know. I knew, know you love it. Uh, hey, can't wait to do some footy with you on SEN and on Fox Footy this year. Not sure if you've been listening to the program earlier today, but uh, a texter started a bit of a stoush asking, for my opinion, who I would have Nathan Buckley versus Robert Harvey at their peak. And then another texter came on and suggested, how dare we leave Michael Voss out of that argument. So do you want to weigh into that little <laughs> argument, Dan? <laughs> Depends what sort of track they're running on. If it's wet, I'll take halves. If it's a dry day at the MCG, I'll take bucks. <laughs> Ahead of Vossy. Oh, you've thrown Vossy in there too, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, now, Vossy can play up forward. <laughs> yeah, which is why I left Pretty James Hurd out. We had a text that come through. Why haven't I mentioned James Herb whilst, you know, I threw Craig Bradley and even Gary Hocking into the argument. But James Herb was such a superb forward that I've added that to his repertoire as being more of a, a midfielder forward as well. Yep. Um, how's the modern generation looking in comparison to those, Dern? Because we do have some superstar midfielders at the moment. I know we're seeing a couple of them like Dustin Martin play a lot forward as well. But uh, we're in pretty good company right now, aren't we, for good mids? Oh, absolutely. I mean, every era throws up great midfielders, but this era we get to see more of them because of the way the game, the style of the game. Um, yesteryear's great players were picking up 25, 27, 28 possessions per game. This era's great midfielders are picking up 35 to, to you know, like low 40s. Um, but that's the style of the game. So we're seeing them more often. We're seeing what they can do with the ball. Um, there's the old cliche, they're getting bigger. I, I don't totally subscribe to that. It's just the, 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 the array of midfielders. Uh, what used to be your mobile centre-half forward is now turning up at, at uh, league football as an, uh, as an 18-year-old and they're saying, let's turn him into a uh, midfielder because we want stay-at-home key forwards who are six foot five who just bring the ball to ground. So... There's a little bit of a change in that. I read some articles over the summer and they made me have a giggle and a laugh and I don't think they were too well informed about uh, various aspects of football at the moment. It's superb the way it's played. It's superb the way it's coached. But, uh, yeah, some of the articles are getting it a little wrong. Do you want to weigh into which... Uh, you don't have to name a journo, but which argument don't you agree with that was made over summer? Uh... Well, what you're doing these days, well, they're saying that I think somebody cashed in on Chris Scott's comment and saying um, that uh, the, the Geelong side of now would would whitewash his Brisbane team. Mm. Um, that's just not true. <laughs> that's just not true. I think he said Tom DeConning would be the tallest man on the on the ground, yet he's playing full back. There's a reason you can play fullback in this era if you don't have as much mobility. Um, and that's the way, once again, the style, the focus, the way the game is played. And it's it's in the era, it's what gets games won. Every era decides to to make a style of football to, to beat that half era that came before it uh, and, and beat them convincingly with game style so 
it evolves and it'll keep evolving. Someday it, it might evolve again. But, but basically getting back to what we started with, your the Phil Carmen style centre half forward six foot two. Now someone like Phil, as you know, being a South Australian, mm. he always wanted to play midfield. But when he got to Melbourne, the way the game was played in Victoria in the VFL in those days, he played centre half forward. That player is coming straight in now and playing in the midfield, just where Phil wanted to play. So, yeah, it's funny how things turn in a certain way. And speaking of uh, things turning, key forwards as well, Derm, uh, which you're part of the, the great key forward evolution that we saw across the game. They're getting taller, by the way, key forwards. But we're also seeing a couple of people tout that we might see three key forwards, maybe even a four key forward, two small forward evolution in the game. I know Carlton have Kerno Mackay to Coning and Geelong, when they're all fit, have Cameron Hawkins and they were hoping to play Jack Henry down there. Brisbane with Hipwood, Danaher um, and now probably Gunston and Gunston and Hawthorne have been doing it for a little bit. But if the dogs go with four, then that's going to change things up a bit. Where do you see that evolution of key forward play? Well, that can survive. That, that can live in this current environment, the way the game's played. When you get, take the ball deep into your forward line, uh, and the, the rest of your team squeeze up behind it and, and make a forward half press, um, the ball's not really coming out. And if it does, it's coming back in. So you're probably looking for people to mark the ball. And it depends whether you have a couple of brilliant crummers, a brilliant you know, chase-down, run-down tacklers. If you just say, right, we're going with this balance and you get... You know, three talls or two talls and and um, and four uh, crumbing, roving, pressuring forwards, and they're not very good. Well, it won't work. <laughs> it depends what you've got at your disposal. If you've got some serious um, crumbing and pressure forwards, well, you can have four key forwards, uh, well, marking forwards, and you can have the rest of the team push up behind and lock the ball in. So it, it depends on how your you want to structure up and whether you can win the ball in the middle. It all comes back to winning the ball in the middle, really. And the teams that you think might be a chance to win the flag outside of Geelong because they essentially can win the ball in the middle. We're talking Melbourne when we talk about that. Who do you think is the biggest contender to take Geelong's crown? I, I would think now somebody, to use your old analogy, held a gun to my head, Dwayne. <laughs> If someone held a gun to my head and said, pick the winner right now, I'd say Melbourne. They just need to to find an avenue to goal, which they could two years ago. But one thing's for certain, we have, I can't think, I've been racking my brain to find another team in any other era where what I would say definitively, the two best ruckmen in the game playing the one team. And one can go forward and take marks and the other can go forward and, and bullet. Um, so they are going to be valuable. They're not just going to be 50-50 centre ground, uh, centre square ruckman and the other 50% sitting on the bench. They're going to be good value. I don't think we've ever seen that before. Can you think of anyone who's where in an era where the two best ruckmen of the competition were, were playing in the one team? No, I think we might have to even go back to maybe even the 70s, uh, Derm, where we did have a few sort of mobile guys that were rucking, but they were brutal 
as well. He had sort of those two yeah. brutal guys. But yeah, you're right. It's a it's a different kind of makeup. But if it works, um, all of a sudden we'll continue to have that debate about. Well, Nathan Buckley weighed in. He doesn't think you need to spend that much of your salary cap on rucks. He thinks that's a you're better off spending it in other areas. Whereas I'm casting my mind back to an era where you just went and got the best players. The salary cap wasn't an issue back then. So if you had a couple of tall guys that wanted to play for you, uh, you just went and yeah. got them. You, you raise a great point. And there's, there's, there's two types of coaches. Some love their centre square ruckmans, uh, uh, ruckman. Some don't give a stuff. They just say, just give me a competitor. Just give me somebody who's going to run in, charge in, and, and, and bullock into the uh, opposition player and the blokes at ground level, if they're good enough, they do the job. Uh, Lee Matthews was a bit that way as a coach. Alan Jeans, I know, was a, a bit that way as a coach. He put a lot of his stock into the players underneath. And, and back in our day, we had serviceable ruckmen. And yet there are coaches who just, who just will not even entertain the idea of challenging unless they have an absolutely star ruckman so yeah it's it's funny how the coaches see that in in that light some love the ruckman and some place no stock in them whatsoever i still haven't worked out which one's right i suppose it's whoever's really good as a ruckman Mm. gets the job done and therefore their coaches love them hey doom we've got to go i know i squeezed you up just uh in a sentence or two which i know is hard for you um, will Alistair Clarkson endure in the end? Will he get success with North Melbourne, do you think? Eventually. It'll be a long road back for a start. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta he's just gotta slowly simmer the pot before before he brings it to the boil. So yeah, he's uh he knows what he wants and if he's allowed that that time and if he wants to take that time, given his age, which he's not a young coach anymore, um, yeah, he'll get it in the end. Great to have you, Derm. I look forward to talking to you on a regular basis during 2023, and I'll catch you tomorrow as part of Fox Footy, or the day after as part of Fox Footy's get-together. Derm, Redden for a McCafe coffee catch-up. McCafe, it's real coffee, real deluxe. Keep the news going. Sammy Edmund, SEN Chief Reporter, is joining us all year. I've missed you over summer, Sammy, although I've loved hearing you on breakfast. You've been doing a brilliant job, but... uh, Welcome back to this little slot. Great to have you on. Great to be with you, Dwayne. After one of the most amazing, gripping, astonishing, utterly brilliant test matches I've ever seen. I mean, Basball getting uh, a severe testing of its resolve. The best part about it was, Dwayne, they kept the foot to the floor. What an amazing test match it was. New Zealand just winning by one run, as you mentioned. I was absolutely gripped by it back here because the Kiwis were cooked. I mean, what a Mm. fight back. I mean, they were... They were under all sorts of pressure. They were made to follow on, and how England might rue forcing them to do that. Also, the fact that uh, the visitors declared in their first innings as well, and yet they were in a good position, weren't they, England? They were 5 for 80 at one point today, but they got to 5 for 201. And and I suppose, Dwayne, this is where, with Basball, you live on both sides of the sword, don't you? So Stokes goes out to a crazy shot for 33, notwithstanding the fact that he was... He was uh, limping around a bit. And then Joe Root follows with an equally um, equal piece of madness, really, for 95. So they're 8 for 251 when folks go. So 9 down, needing 7. This is what Test cricket is all about. To think that James Anderson, at 40 years of age, the number one Test bowler in the world, as per the ICC rankings, has to come in and deliver with the bat. Now, I know they call him the Burnley Lara, Dwayne, but this is asking a lot of James Anderson. <laughs> Uh, it was, and the field placings as well from New Zealand were intriguing because 
there was times when they wanted to give the signal, signal a sing, single, uh, times when they wanted to stop the four from being hit. And they bowled a little shorter than I thought they should have, but mm. they've got the last laugh. Oh, and, uh, like James Anderson at one point basically shuts his eyes and clubs one to the fence, so it had everything. I mean, uh, uh, and then the ball that gets him out is the last one you expect. He's feathered it down the leg side. He'd be, he was spitting. But fair response from Neil Wagner with the ball. So he gets smacked, Wayne, for the most expensive spell in Test cricket history for a player who's bowled at least 10 overs. Now, he went from his 11 overs in the second innings of the first Test for 104 and he fights back here to take four for 62 in the second innings of the second test. He gets Pope, he gets Root, he gets Stokes, and then, as we said, he gets the match winner. He gets Anderson for this remarkable test win. In fact, I think Max Gorn just summed it up best on Twitter, Dwayne, with OMG Wagner. <laughs> hey, how often does it happen? Team gets forced to follow on and wins. Excellent question. It's only the fourth time it's happened in test match history. First time in 1894, second time in 1981. A lot of people painfully in this part of the world remember the third time it happened because it was at Eden Gardens when India were forced to follow on by the visiting Australians and that was the infamous VVS Lakshman 281, Raul Dravid 180 run episode where India got over the top of Australia. So only the fourth time it's happened in Test Match Cricket history and New Zealand doing it today to beat the visitors England by one run. What a match. Hey, you've been breaking stories left, right and centre. Are you going to break the Brisbane captain story for me today? No, we won't do that, Dwayne. No. But uh, obviously it's a choice, well, I would have thought out of three. Neil, Andrews and McCluggage as the front runners. No surprises there. They will make that announcement tomorrow, the Brisbane Lions, on, on a Wednesday. Meanwhile, Chris Fagan saying he's confident that Dane Zorko, Dwayne, is just going to walk straight into a round one appearance without a pre-season game. So confirmation out of the Lions today that the veteran will not play in Thursday night's match against Geelong. So he's got that hamstring problem he's coming up from. But, I mean, he's had a full preseason, hasn't he? He knows his body well. He's seen so much football. So you would have thought no problems for him coming straight back in. Not as promising news for their reliable defender, Darcy Gardner. At the moment, he's unreliable. So he had that shoulder surgery, you'll remember, over summer. Now he's got some ankle and Achilles issues as well. So he's definitely going to miss the start of the season up there. And other injuries are going to be a factor in this next week with a couple of games about to be played. And, well, you don't want any practice match injuries, which the dogs got one or two last week, didn't they? Yeah, well, their, their gardener's gone down, Ryan, at the Western Bulldogs. So he's going to miss the start of the season with an elbow injury. Now, the head of sports medicine, Chris Bell, down at the kennel, Dwayne, saying uh, via a statement moments ago that Ryan has sustained a small crack to one of the bones in his elbow. And uh, he's saying, Chris Bell, that the club has decided that the best course of action is to fix the injury and undergo minor surgery. So that's going to repair that piece of bone damage uh, this afternoon. So he's definitely going to miss the start of the season. Reinforcements, of course, coming through there in the form of uh, Lamb. Jones, but Ryan Gardner is absolutely one of their best uh, best defenders down in that part of the ground, so they'll be hoping he can be back sooner rather than later. You know about Jack Henry at the Cats, unfortunate setback for him. Paddy Cripps, I'm told, okay. The, it's been a long time since the scan at Carlton came back clear, but it has done with that rolled ankle. So whether he plays Sydney or not, you'd have to say unlikely at this point, given he's had a full preseason, played a full game against Collingwood, the Carlton captain. You'd think they might just put him on ice for this final preseason game. They're still waiting the Blues on David Cunningham. Now, this could yet be a pretty big story. Uh, a luckless speedster he is. He's been injured uh, repeatedly in recent times. Now, 
There's concerns he may need a shoulder reconstruction off the back of that uh, dislocated shoulder, mucking around at training at the end of a session last week. Now, if that is the case, that's a, obviously anything up to six months out of the game. Same injury that Max King suffered in the preseason for St Kilda. So, fingers crossed at the Blues there for David Cunningham. And we know about Dyson Heppel, reeled out for round one with that sprained foot as well. So, it's just that time of the year, isn't it, Dwayne, where you want mm. your, your teams to play well, to show a bit. You want the youngsters to come through. But, gee whiz, I reckon I speak for all of us, where most of all, you just want them to not go down injured. Yeah, which is uh, what this uh, next batch of games is all about. Let's hope they didn't get, don't get any major injuries. Sammy, I know you've had a long day. You, I heard you on breakfast this morning, so thanks for your work, and we'll talk soon. Let's talk tomorrow, Dwayne. Look forward to it. Sounds good, although I'm not on. Sammy, I think the cricket will be on about this time, but uh, I'm not sure what time the cricket starts exactly, but uh, I'm not on this shift tomorrow. But Sammy will be with you, breaking the news as he does at all times. 2.25, the broadcast. First ball from 3pm tomorrow, by the way, of the cricket. Welcome back to the program. Always great to have so many calls and texts coming through. Been great to have your company today for Midday Madness. The Australian International Air Show is on this weekend, March 3 to 5, so it's got to be massive. Avalon Airport, get your tickets at Ticketmaster. You've probably, or maybe you've heard, a few of the planes in the sky already over the last couple of days, uh, and they're landing by the minute right now. Justin Giddings has been good enough to join me. Australian International Air Show CEO. Justin, great to have you on the program. Thanks again for your time. Thanks very much, Dwayne. Been a while for you. Last air show was, what, 2019? Yeah, it was. It was 2019, and uh, it was huge, but it was hot. It was really, really hot, so I'm so glad that this time the forecast is going to be about 22 degrees. So, uh, But 2019, 21 cancelled, and we've really rolled over a lot of those things into this show, so it's going to be a big one. So what's there this year that you wouldn't have seen back in 2019? Look, the biggest thing by far, the best act we've got is the Black Eagles. So they're a display team from South Korea. I saw them over in London last year and they were just unreal. I mean, they were, they're the best one in the world. They were, they were actually given that award and they're over here for this one. The first time they've ever been to Avalon or Australia. They're flying every day of the public days. And they're just amazing. They flew this morning. I watched them and it was low cloud and they were still great. So the weather doesn't stop them. Um, you know, it's like, it's like roulettes on steroids. There's eight of them. They're like, like F-16 type planes um, flying in really tight formation with color, you know, smoke coming out the back. So that's probably the biggest thing. Um, for the public, though, you know, you'll have two entrances. We used to only have one. So there's some queues coming in. We've got two We've got more car parking. We've got free car parking. So no lining up for, you know, buy a ticket to get in the car park. And also kids are free. That's the big thing. So if you're 15 and under, you can get on Ticketmaster. You have to get a ticket, but it's free. And you come along to the show and, um, and enjoy it all day. So, you know, we've got other displays that you've seen before, like the F-35, the F-22s flying. Um, so lots of really good stuff. There's a big general aviation area if you're into that. Um, probably the biggest we've ever had. So, and then we've got the expositions, you know, all the stuff you can see on the ground. There's a lot of recruitment. So if you're interested in, you know, job, in defence or in any way, um, you know, it's got recruitment all, all over the place. So it's, like I said, it'll be the biggest show we've ever had. Um, it's got perfect weather. Ticket sales are going really well. Um, and I expect we'll have record crowds as well. Yeah, well, the kids are probably into it, and maybe uh, Maverick being such a big, successful movie the last 12 months are going to get a few more adults there as well. So I presume the kid factor is huge for you. 
It is. It's really about that. I suppose our mission is really to bring people into the industry, and that's what it's about. So we made kids free. They used to be about 40 bucks. So mm-hmm. we've knocked that on the head. And um, now, we're, and the ticket sales for kids is huge. Well, not sales, ticket giveaways for kids is mm-hmm. huge. Um, we've got a Ferris wheel in there. We've done some stuff to really make it more kid-friendly. But at the same time, you know, the buzz that the adults get is just enormous. You know, just seeing these F-22 fly over, and it's going to be flying in about an hour here today, just to see that flying, just not even at full capacity, but just loud and just, it's, you know, you really got to be here to experience it. I mean, a lot of people around Geelong, are fortunate they get to see it, but you're not that close. You know, be able to be, you know, 100, 200 metres away from these aircraft, you know, the best aircraft in the world, you know, at a show that hasn't happened for four years. That's why I just think it's, there's so much demand for it. And, and of course, there's a Friday night as well. So, you know, we've got the best fireworks. We have a firewall. Um, that's all back again. The laser show. We've got aircraft flying, you know, up, right up until it gets dark. So, you know, and we've, we've just announced we're opening the gates up early. So on Friday night, you can get in at 11.30 in the morning rather than 2. So you've got the whole day to look around because the site is just so big. So what's it going to take if you do go in just in time-wise for people thinking of going? Is it like a, a five-hour kind of experience taking all the planes and watch a show? Is it, is it a, a longer day than that? Can you do a, a shorter space? You can hit and, hit and run at three and a half hours. What's it going to kind of take? It's a bit like going to Disneyland. Um, sometimes you think it's going to take a day, but it takes two. Yep, so it depends on really the level of detail you want to go. If you want to read about every aircraft, you might want to come a couple of days. But if you just want to have a look around and, you know, I could walk the site, I think, as an enthusiast myself, probably in two hours, really. And then you can sit and watch the displays. You don't have to watch every one because there's six hours of flying every day. But you really don't want to miss some of the big stuff, like the Black Eagles I mentioned before. You really want to be there for that because that's just unique. You know, some of the Raptors, some of the gliders that we've got, you know, the Paul Bennett show, which he flies so close to the ground and, you know, incredible stuff. They're the things you really want to look at. And you can get on, you can download the app. That's probably the best way. Download the app. There's a flying display schedule that's, um, you know, updated all the time. You get on there, plan your day. If you're going to come out, I would highly recommend you catch the bus. So you you get the train to Lara or get dropped off at Lara train station and you get a bus, I think it's 10 bucks or something, and it takes you right to the front door. It avoids the traffic routes, so it gets you around all the traffic. And that's the way I go. You know, even still, yeah. I'll catch the bus on the weekend. Good advice, Justin. Great to have you. I can't, I'll be there Sunday. Um, I'm looking forward to going Sunday. My daughter's a pilot, so I'm kind of into all this kind of stuff. So the industry and see where she's about to go next. So I'll see you there Sunday. Can't wait. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Wayne. Justin Giddings joining us, Australian International Air Show CEO. So it's on Avalon Airport, March 3 to 5. So a night session as well, if you want to get there for the night session, March 3 to 5, Friday night and then Saturday and Sunday as well. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster, so jump online, get them at Ticketmaster, and you can get along, you can get the train, you can get the bus, or you can drive there. Two entry points, which is great news, given there was a few lineups back in 2019 with the only one entry point, more car parking, and kids in free, which is sensational. That's it for me today. been an absolute pleasure to have your company. I've really enjoyed so many calls and texts coming through. Always love Midday Matters. I'm not back tomorrow, so the cricket for the next three days coming your way in this slot. So enjoy the cricket, the third test coming your way the next 
three days. I'm back then on Monday of next week, so to talk about the weekend of footy, which is going to be huge. Yeah, I know it's only a practice match, but uh, they're all going to be huge. If you're a fan of your footy, um, I think everybody's going to be watching your team this week to see what they do this weekend. So back on Monday for Midday Matters to talk about that. It's all there on the podcast as well. If you want to download the podcast, the Dwayne's Word podcast in full, or any of the individual interviews that we've done. It's all there on the podcast, so you can check it all out any day, any specific interview. It's there on the podcast. Make sure you download it, and you can have a listen in your own free time.